Welcome, my friends, to the Generations Radio Broadcast. Kevin Swanson, your host with you. Adam McManus from theworldview.com. Hosted every day, faithfully, and uh, thankful for that weekday news program. It's an update, five, six minutes each and every day, to give you a distinctively biblical view of the news with Bible verses attached. And we've been following this H.R. 8404 for the last three to four weeks, the most significant step towards well, radical autonomy at the highest levels of American governments that we have ever seen in our lifetime. And, uh, well, it's been through the House, sailed through the Senate, back to the House, off to the president's desk. That's the direction it's going now. And Southern Baptist Seminary President Albert Moeller has just commented, very disappointed with the 12 Republican senators who walked over the line and went ahead and said, hey, we're going to uh, reconstruct the, the creator's ordinance on this. Here's what Al Moeller wrote. Those senators voted to redefine marriage uh, and to weaken society's fundamental covenant. Now, wait a minute. Voted to redefine marriage. Mm. That's what these senators did. This was 12 Republican senators and the Democrats did. On the U.S. Senate for H.R. 8404, they voted to redefine marriage. That's pretty powerful. Okay. Now, Adam, I just voted to redefine gravity, <laughs> and I voted to disallow all wombs for women, and I... You what? So so you went ahead and reversed the creation ordinance of Almighty God. Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's what I did. I just outlawed all helium balloons from rising any longer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you voted for that. And so how did that work out after the vote? <laughs> yeah. Marriage is still marriage. They can pretend like all of these various arrangements, whether it's two men, two women, a group of people, whomever, are marriages. But we know that they're not. A marriage is between one man and one woman for a lifetime. Anything other than that is some kind of faux marriage, as we often say in both generations in the worldview. And very disappointing, the people that have stepped up to support the, this legislation, the 12 Republican senators, as well as a number of House reps, and the National Association of Evangelicals, the Mormons, the CCCU, they did the wrong thing on this one. Let's name them. Roy Blunt of Missouri, Richard Burr of North Carolina, Shelley Capito of West Virginia, Susan Collins of Maine, Joni Ernst of Iowa, Cynthia Loomis of Wyoming, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, Rob Portman of Ohio, Mitt Romney of Utah, Dan Sullivan of Alaska, Tom Tillis of North Carolina, and Todd Young of Indiana. Yeah, and a very serious, serious abdication of all rights to govern, uh, all abdication of all of the biblical principles relating to the social systems uh, as God has incorporated them, and so this rebellion against almighty god is beyond anything i think we've seen in the history of mankind I, mean, I don't know what happened before the fall but i know of no other political state that has done this outside of these modern governments it's just outstanding what they've done or it's just astounding what they've done two interesting points number one there were some serious religious liberty amendments that were proposed by both mike lee of utah and james lankford of oklahoma Secondly, it's not just about homosexual marriage. So to the first point, Lankford said that he asked this question of the Senate. Is today about respecting the rights of all, or is it about silencing some and respecting others? Marco Rubio offered an amendment that would have struck down the homosexual activist's ability to sue Christians 
But both of these amendments failed. Uh, the Lankford, actually all three of them, the Lee Amendment, the Marco Rubio Amendment, Republican Senators Susan Collins of Maine, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, Rob Portman of Ohio, sided with the Democrats against religious freedom in those separate amendment votes. But now to the other issue that I raised, and that is it's not just about codifying homosexual marriage. It's not just about codifying the 2015 Obergefell Supreme Court decision. The Heritage Foundation writes, would H.R. 8404, this Disrespect for Marriage Act, would it require federal recognition of polygamy, polyamory, child marriage, arranged marriage, and close relative marriage if such unions are recognized by a state? Yes, House Resolution 8404 abandons all current limits in federal law requiring marriage to be the union of only two persons. Under H.R. 8404, all it takes is a single state to recognize a polygamous or other unusual union as a marriage, and the federal government must, underscore must, automatically recognize it for all federal purposes, including tax deductions, welfare benefits, immigration status, and federal employee benefits. So, Kevin, essentially, this bill... Once the House passes it, and they're going to do that on the 7th or the 8th, had a delayed vote, Joe Biden has already said he'll sign it. This bill is the proverbial camel's nose under the tent on the issue that more people agree on than not on the homosexual marriage issue across the culture, unfortunately. But what a lot of people don't know is this other seedy underbelly about polygamy, polyamory, child marriage, arranged marriage, and close relative marriage. It stinks to high heaven. And I don't want anybody to forget that this was supported by 12 Republican senators, as well as a number of congressmen and women, as well as the Mormon Church, as well as the Council for the Christian cult. Colleges and Universities and the National Association of Evangelicals. Do not you forget, don't you ever forget that this was supported by the National Association of Evangelicals. They conceded to the principle, and they did it to protect their skin, but they really didn't protect anything. They did a deal with Nero. Reminds me of the Scottish lords that turned against William Wallace, Braveheart of Scotland, and then, of course, the tyranny ensued. Now, thankfully, the PCA, the Presbyterian Church of America, left the National Association of Evangelicals in June of this year, and I would recommend that you not participate in these denominations that participate with the National Association of Evangelicals and support such legislation that is just so abhorrent to, uh, to biblical morality. Friends, I don't know what kind of organization or denomination you're a part of, but certainly you want to petition your church to leave if they are part of the National Association of Evangelicals, and that includes the Assemblies of God, the Christian Missionary Alliance, the Christian Reformed Church in North America, the Church of the Nazarene. I'm just going through their website, Evangelical Free Church of America, the Evangelical Presbyterian Church of America, the Foursquare Church, the Free Methodist Church, the Vineyards, the U.S. Conference of Mennonite Brethren, et cetera, et cetera. We got to get out. Anybody who's part of the National Association of Evangelicals, now is the time to leave, which is exactly what the Presbyterian Church of America did in June of this year. And I highly recommend it. Certainly, you do not want to be part of this fellowship. As long as God is in the heavens, Jesus is the judge, and Jesus is walking the candlesticks, be back with more in just a moment on the Generations broadcast. What happens when a culture that was established and guided by biblical principles abandons the faith and seeks to live by its own wisdom? 
In his latest groundbreaking work, Epic, The Rise and Fall of the West, Kevin Swanson unfolds the dramatic history of Western civilization, highlighting the phenomenal impact that Jesus Christ and his people have had upon the thought, culture, and institutions of the Christian West, as well as tracing the slow but devastating decline of Western civilization and the key factors that have led to our spectacular fall over the centuries. A sobering narrative of gospel hope, this book urges its reader to greater fervency in the work of discipleship and the development of an international vision for the church. This is truly a must-read for any Christian seeking to understand the times and seasons in which we live. You can claim your hardcover copy of Epic, The Rise and Fall of the West by visiting generations.org store today. That's generations.org store. And we are back on the Generations Broadcast. Kevin Swanson with you, Adam McManus from theworldview.com with me as well. And today, my friends, looking at the turncoats, really, those who turned against a biblical world and life view on some of the most critical legislation in the history of this country. They endorsed a pro-homosexual mirage bill that allowed for other forms of illegitimate marriages. Of course, these are all illegitimate. It's just a mirage, as we say. (laughs) But it was supported by the National Association of Evangelicals, as well as the CCCU, albeit a little less enthusiastic about the legislation, but nonetheless endorsed the weaker amendments that didn't do anything. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful that there are some Christian colleges that are pulling out. New St. Andrews College pulled out of the CCCU, I noticed. Oklahoma Wesleyan College left a number of years ago. Patrick Henry College is not a part of the CCCU, neither is Masters College or Bob Jones University. So there's still some decent Christian colleges in America today. Now, the CCCU list still includes Calvin College, Dort, Biola, Covenant College, Colorado Christian University, Geneva College, Gordon-Conwell, Moody Bible Institute, King's College, and so forth. Increasingly, Adam, the lines are drawn between the colleges and churches that are capitulating and those that are standing true to God's word in this radical, revolutionary age of amoral opposition to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is a dividing line for the church in America today. It is, and Dr. Carl Truman, professor at Grove City College, speaks to that very issue. He said, the issue of human sexuality in general, and marriage in particular, is really sharpening the kind of lines that are emerging in the Protestant and evangelical world at the moment. He warned the fact that a radical homosexual marriage bill is actually receiving support from many so-called evangelical leaders, quote-unquote, and is also receiving support from what one would have hoped would be conservative members of Congress, is indicative of the times in which we're living. Tony Perkins goes on to say, the president of Family Research Council, that we know what is right, we know what is true, whether by the court or by the Congress, truth cannot be altered. We need to have the courage to stand for truth, remembering the words of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6, and having done all, stand firm. That's what we've been called to. And Tony Perkins goes on and says there's real potential for religious persecution in this bill as well. And I would say against the CCCU and the support from the National Association of Evangelicals that will be at fault 
for the persecution that will come against Christian brothers and sisters in Christ over the next uh, five, ten years. And I really think that the, the possibilities of this are only on the increase. Here's what Tony Perkins said. Not only is this language light years more radical than the justices ruling seven years ago, that is the Obergefell ruling, cracking down on parents, charities, adoption agencies, teachers, Christian schools, counselors, Bible-believing professionals, the government would be declaring open season on anyone who believes in marriage as it's always been the union of a man and a woman. What will it say in two more years if Americans are considered fair game by the Justice Department for their views on natural marriage? Under this bill, they are sitting ducks, prime targets for government investigation, prosecution, even civil action to stick a dynamite in the hands of the left. So the warning came strong and true from Tony Perkins and yet still supported by these National Association of Evangelicals and the CCCU as well. And I believe the U.S. Supreme Court is going to have to be pretty strong on this, given that this legislation and as well the Bostock ruling accommodation laws applying to race are going to apply to sexual orientation. That's exactly what the Bostock ruling gave us. And uh, this only strengthens these rulings. Public accommodations in the law of the United States are generally defined as facilities, whether publicly or privately owned, that are used by the public at large. Examples include retail stores, rental establishments, service establishments, as well as educational institutions, recreational facilities, service centers, etc., etc. Under U.S. federal law, public accommodations must be accessible to disabled and may not be discriminated on the basis of race, color, religion, or national origin. And after the Bostock ruling, what do we conclude but sexual orientation is added to that? So, wow, I just don't think there's much squeeze room for the colleges or for the Christian schools in America. Now, it's interesting. If you go back to 1987, there was something of a battle over whether or not Christians could draw the line on certain forms of accommodation. Now, listen to this. In 1987, a certain Mrs. Smith, a devout Presbyterian, was attempting to rent out four one-bedroom duplexes, which provided a significant portion of her income. Because she believed, quite correctly, that the Bible teaches that sexual relations should be pursued only within marriage, Mrs. Smith took the position on religious grounds that she would not rent to couples living together out of wedlock. A young gardener and his girlfriend at first lied to Mrs. Smith to get her to agree to rent a duplex to them. When she found out the truth, she returned the deposit money and refused to rent to them. In retaliation, the gardener complained against Mrs. Smith to the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing, which in turn filed charges against her for marital status discrimination. The case came to trial in 1988. Oh, wow. By that time, her lawyer, a legal counsel of the organization Concerned Women for America, had contacted Dr. Greg Bonson, who is a Presbyterian and an ethicist, to present expert testimony on behalf of Mrs. Smith. Often debating with a combative prosecutor over theology and exegesis, Dr. Bonson argued that the position taken by Mrs. Smith was both biblical and established in Presbyterian tradition. He testified both that sex before marriage is immoral and that facilitating the immoral acts of others is also sinful. Mm, Good point. He offered examples from Presbyterian history that consenting to or complicity in another sin is condemned. The administrative law judge agreed with Dr. Bonson that Mrs. Smith was pursuing her sincere religious conviction in that matter but uh, cited compelling state interests in overriding her religious liberty. He required her to pay a fine to the couple, post a sign in her rentals, which she confesses her offense and pledges not to do so again. She refused to pay or to post, so she didn't do it. I don't answer to man, she says I answer to God. Uh, saying she would be a wimp Christian if she gave in to fornicators on this issue. A great deal was riding on the case for Christians, and indeed all citizens, even nationally known commentator Pat Buchanan, wrote in horror that if this judgment was not overturned, secularism had superseded Christianity as the faith of the United States. 
whose values should define justice for the state. Here's a down-to-earth, nitty-gritty test case for the ongoing debate between pluralists and those who stand on the principles of God's law within the Christian community. Civil law will not and cannot be neutral. Discrimination is unavoidable. Now, good news for religious liberty. Well, Mrs. Smith appealed the judgment against her, vowing to go all the way to Supreme Court if it became necessary. Most, most believers in our give-in and get-along age would consider her stand futile and foolish, but Mrs. Smith chose to live by principle and to honor the Word of God rather than the threats of men. We can all thank her for standing up to compelling state interests, for in doing so, she has helped to preserve civil liberty for all believers, even her unkind detractors. At the end of May, this would have been a number of years ago, the 3rd District Court of Appeals in Sacramento, California, ruled that the Fair Housing Commission's decision was itself a violation of Mrs. Smith's right to follow her religious beliefs, which is guaranteed by both the state and federal constitution. Thank so that's you. the way it went. It's about time. That's the way it went. Justice Mrs. Prevailed. Smith fought it as far up as she could, and she eventually prevailed. So that would be a story that took place in 1987. That was back when America was a Christian nation of sorts. But now we're living in the post-Christian age. And I would say we tipped over in about 2006. So would have been about 20 years after that we tipped into a post-Christian age, at least for the United States of America, in which uh, Christian influence has pretty much dissolved. But I don't think this would hold up anymore for homosexual couples. Uh, we are way too far down the pike now. There are certain sins that people wear as a badge of honor, and they will advertise it quite publicly. They'll seek to get 100% support from every person around them, especially Christians. And if Christians won't support them, they will submit them to persecution. And that's the way the sin of homosexuality works. Most people don't advertise the fact they're liars, you know, or a fornicator, <laughs> or a Sabbath breaker, exactly. or a thief. They don't say, I'm a Great thief, point. and I want to rent your apartment. They don't say that. And where is their pride parade? They need to have yeah, their own month, pride maybe in May. Exactly. A thieves' exactly. pride parade we'll schedule in schedule that one in May. Yeah, right. <laughs> but the sin of homosexuality is worn as a badge of honor today. They take the most egregious sin and advertise it as an honorable thing. They put a rainbow sign in the front lawn, You know, your rental, and they promote their homosexuality. That's the way it works today. Now, I, I think what's happening is because of the accommodation laws and because of Bostock, which attaches the accommodation laws to sexual orientation, friends, I don't think there's much of an option anymore for Christians to take a stand on issues like homosexuality as Mr. Mrs. Smith did in the, back in 1987. This pretty much puts Christians out of the B&B business or the renting homes business or the wedding businesses, although my guess is that 99% of Christians would never have the guts to call sin sin and refuse to rent to a couple living out of wedlock today. I just don't think that's going to happen with very many Christians. There'll be a few, but not very many would take the stand on an issue like that. And do you think that's because of their fear of being sued? Yeah. Sure, sure. And taken to federal court, taken to the Fair Housing Commission or whatever. Christians can still do generic businesses, build houses, engage in the trades, do regular retail, etc. But they'll be limited in terms of what they're going to be able to do. There are businesses that maintain a don't ask, don't tell anonymous relationship with clients and customers. Really doesn't matter whether somebody is living, you know, in sin and, and they're buying apples at Safeway. That doesn't really make much difference to the average person. There is something of a don't ask, don't tell relationship, you know, as you're eating food in the markets or you're sell, buying and selling food in the markets. But if you're in the pagan temple and someone's saying this food is offered to idols as a Christian, you do not have 
the the right to eat that food because by doing so you would give implicit approval of the unethical behavior that's taking place in the heathen temple same thing could be said for homosexuals uh living together in uh in a fornicating sexual relationship i'm reminded of eric metaxas excellent new book entitled letter to the american church it's a searing earnest wake-up call he warns of the haunting similarities between today's american church and the German church of the 1930s. He, in essence, decried the cowardice that masquerades as godly meekness and exhorts fellow Christians to repent of their silence in the face of evil. And the twin evils of our day are abortion and sexual perversion. Yeah. And I think you're right. Increasingly, Christians are afraid to speak on the second issue of sexual perversion for fear of being labeled some kind of quote-unquote homophobe or being sued, but we need to have a faith that is robust and strong, loving, but truthful nonetheless to speak to the need to repent. Yeah, and, and it should be an equal opportunity call to faith in Jesus and to repentance, meaning that you know, you've got a neighbor who said, well, I'm a stinking liar or I'm a thief, we call them to repentance on that. Somebody presents themselves as homosexuals living in a perverted form of sexual sin, we need to just call them to repentance and faith in Jesus. Now, as, as we consider what's happening with the accommodation laws and uh, the Bostock ruling, friends, remember the bottom line of the Bostock ruling was, does Title Seven of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 Prohibiting, prohibiting employment discrimination on the basis of race, color, religion, sex, and national origin also prohibits such discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity. And Gorsuch wrote the decision and says, yes, Title VII prohibits discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity, which means that uh, you know we do not have a majority on this issue on the Supreme Court. We've got four, maybe, but not five. They've got five. We've got four on this issue. Got to remember that at this point, we're losing at the Supreme Court level when it comes to these accommodation laws. You will have a hard time not hiring homosexuals and transgendered persons for your business. If you're a funeral service or you're a wedding service or you are a retail outlet or you're some sort of a business that wants to interact with the public, you're going to have to hand hire that transgendered person, that male dressed in a female wear. I can't imagine that Christian schools and Christian colleges will survive another 10 years. They are public accommodation institutions. They cannot forbid people of the wrong color, quote unquote, to enter their institutions. They are public accommodation institutions. And the U.S. Supreme Court equates homosexuals to blacks in terms of their treatment under the law. So I just do not see that Christians are going to be able to exempt themselves from this, given that they have lost battle after battle in these cultural wars, and given that they are unwilling to get involved politically, they're unwilling to step up to the plate and engage these these battles, and, and given that they're sending their kids off to the public schools to be indoctrinated in these systems, and we, generation after generation, are losing uh significant proportion of voters and and leaders who will take on leadership in the political sphere in the years to come outside of a small group of two to three percent of the population that's willing to homeschool or christian school their children 
in order to prepare them to be salt and light for the future generations outside of the two to three percent i just don't think we're going to make much progress as long as 70 to 80 to 90 percent of christian evangelicals send their kids off to the public schools uh, we have pretty much lost the battle my friends i just don't see us bearing much influence on these issues any hint of discrimination against the sin of homosexuality in the workplace will be anathematized In some respect, discriminating against adultery in the workplace, divorce, remarriage for the guilty party, regular everyday fornication is also frowned upon. But if you discriminate against the sin of homosexuality, you will lose your job. You will be sued. Uh, If we ever get a chance to get back to principled laws, we need to jettison all fascist laws that try to control a person's decisions as to what they will do with their own property, who they will hire, how much money they will pay, be paid. Accommodation laws are ridiculous. Very few Christians will stand on biblical law on this, but Jesus laid down the law on business men who are dealing with their own capital as they see fit in Matthew chapter 20. This is what Jesus said. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Well, and the fact is that, thine eye evil because I am good. Jesus says that man has a right to hire whom he will and pay what he will as long as the other person is willing to receive that pay. That's uh, the way Jesus placed it in Matthew chapter 20. So it ultimately comes down to a principle of whether or not somebody has a right to do what he will with his own capital. And uh, we've seen increased control of that on the part of the civil magistrate for the last you know, 60 to 80 years. The fact that people are concerned about losing their job if they speak out for truth and against abortion or the homosexual or transgender lifestyle is what Rod Dreher describes as soft totalitarianism in his new book, Live Not By Lies, A Manual for Christian Dissidents. I have purchased it. I have not yet read it, but I just heard a fantastic interview that Jim Daly conducted on Focus on the Family, and I would strongly recommend that you all get it as well. It's called Live Not By Lies, taken from an actual reference by Alexander Solzhenitsyn in Rod Dreher's new book. Which 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 means let's not be railroaded into the politically correct, which ultimately is a morality and a perspective that is opposed to a Christian world and life view. Let's be careful that we are not programmed by the zeitgeist, by the system, by the cultural Marxism of the day. Let's uh, let's be cautious that doesn't happen to us. Now, all of this, I think, proves that Christians have been extremely marginalized in our society today. They have very little voice left, very little cultural influence. The preserving salt is all but gone. Sexual nihilism has almost total control over American institutions. And nothing could stop this destruction except God, and you know he will. Free speech, I think, is pretty much the last major battle. And that's why, you know, fighting this at the Supreme Court of the United States, as you know, we've covered the story from the Alliance Defense Defending Freedom on the case of the uh, Colorado website designer. 303 Creative. And uh, you got a shot, I think, at this of winning this case. So let's continue to apply the full court press, support ADF and what they're doing to fight this case all the way to the Supreme Court. Of course, we'll get the answer on that later this uh, summer. But uh, our best strategy at right now, my friends, I'm going to end here, is to continue to raise our children in the nurture and the ammunition of the Lord Jesus Christ, disciple them in the Word of God from uh, cover to cover. Let's give them a, a distinctively biblical education rooted in the Word of God. And let's also disciple functional marriages and families in our local churches. Let's raise men to be men of God, raise women to be women of God, and keep the gospel message in front of folks. Uh, but be prepared for a major collapse of a civilization. Stand up for truth in your churches. Don't compromise away the truth and the standards of God's laws with the NAE and the CCCU. 
this is the time at which the good men and women of courage and faith will take a stand. These, these are the times of testing. These are the points at which we will either stand or fall. So I'm challenging you to take the stand, my friends, and also get a copy of Epoch, The Rise and Fall of the West, which details how we got to where we are today and uh, gives a shot at where we're going. Epoch, The Rise and Fall of the West, available at Generations.org. This is Kevin Swanson and Adam McManus inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation. 